Hi, everyone. Okay, well, I'm recording. My kids are sitting beside me playing Minecraft. The dog is feeling really upset because there's no pillow on the couch for him to sit on. There's going to be noise. And this recording is coming to you in mono because I cannot find my podcasting mic. But also, I just really want to get this episode going. So here's how it is. got to live and to love and to pay the rent. While we're waiting for more clarity on how to do that without destroying everything, we're going to spend some time making this podcast. We're here to heal our stories around worth, work, and making ends meet. Maybe you'd like some of that too. If healing justice is your thing, if in your heart there's no creativity without accountability, if a little tenderness around living, loving, and paying the rent is needed, then you're welcome here to gather a little space too. Okay, so the province of the second house, the house of resources, is resources. And today I am, well, I woke up today feeling a keen lack of resources. I woke up really frustrated because I am not getting quality sleep. And I woke up frustrated because there are folks in my house who are yelling and making noise. And I woke up frustrated because the world isn't exactly as I would select it. And it was just, it was a lot of frustration. And sometimes I can handle that really gracefully. And sometimes I do not handle that very gracefully. This morning, I was somewhere in the middle. I was able to, for the most part, keep it in. Um, But there were moments in which I could not. And I was upset with my family members because I wanted them to stop yelling at each other and I wanted them to clean their rooms and I wanted them to just eat breakfast peacefully and I wanted everything in my environment to be just a little different than it was and that brought me to a place of remembering that if a strategy is gonna work it would have worked and it doesn't always work on the first time but if you try something a thousand times and it doesn't work then um it's just, it's probably, it's probably not the strategy for you. And I realized that doing all this to manipulate my environment and the people in it wasn't working. And guess what? It almost never works. And so I had to make a different choice. So one thing that's opened up with embracing the idea that if it was going to work, it would have worked by now is that we can just try something different. And in my case, Trying something different just involved surrendering a little bit to what I could do. And what I could do was some laundry. And what I could do was a failed attempt at hanging my laundry drying racks. And what I could do was um, tidying up a little bit. And what I could do was eat the leftover pork chop and potatoes in my fridge. And what I could do was just these these little step-by-step things. And so I did those little step-by-step things. I listened to some recordings that I liked. I... Uh, asked my kids to clean their rooms and they did and now um, I am (laughs) all right well in my policy of I don't have time to edit these episodes the way I would like I am I'm just gonna leave that moment in there I I think it kind of went sideways when I started talking about my kids what I'm trying to say is 
that if I cannot manage my resources the way that I think they should be managed, then the possibility that is opened up is using my imagination to consider something different. Uh, usually in the second week, um, I connect with Tiffany Sostar from Fox and Owl Tarot, and they have a spread for us. And this week, that just didn't get to work out. They returned from graduating from their Masters of Narrative Therapy program at the Dulwich Center in Australia, which is just such an incredible accomplishment. And they're adjusting to Earth time back in this hemisphere. And uh, we just haven't had a chance to connect uh, with a microphone, so we haven't. So I'm going to offer a spread that I've made, and hopefully we'll connect with Tiffany maybe even later in the week, and maybe this is going to be a month where two spreads happen. Maybe this is going to be a month where one spread happens. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I don't even know who's listening to this. Um, I'm just going to go with the fact that if you're listening to it, it's because you like the way it is and not because you think it should be different. Okay, I'm back. I found my podcast mic, but then... Oh, there it is! Okay, we're back in stereo. Uh, so, uh, one thing I am learning about recording this podcast uh, is, is actually, it's, it's not a new thing. I tend to learn things through my body and learning the houses, the first and second houses through my body has been a thing. Uh, and this whole, um, I have peace is, uh, yeah, it's an interesting time because obviously in the first month I was able to get the podcast out on a weekly basis and this month, not so much. Uh, it's okay. I'll be back at it. Um, figuring out how to do this no matter the condition. Anyway, uh, I decided I would create a tarot spread for this month. And lately I've been a real big fan of multi-deck spreads, uh, for lots of reasons, I just like the granularity. I just that's in my nature to enjoy that sort of um, specificity. But also, uh, you know, not everyone has the luxury to own more than one tarot deck or even one tarot deck. And just a reminder, this can be done with a deck of cards. It can be done in lots of ways uh, with just the numbers uh, one through twenty-one plus fifty-two. Uh, many many ways to go here. Uh, but anyways, uh, in this case, this reading that I've designed has been designed with three decks. And one deck should feel really grounded. Uh, one deck should feel really familiar. And one deck should feel really new. This is really self-serving for me because I recently received the Moonchild tarot deck in the mail, which I ordered from Little Red Tarot, a uh, store I really love. And... Um, it is it's blowing my mind a little bit, this deck, uh, particularly the book that accompanies this deck is, is quite spectacular. I recommend um, no affiliation, just sharing that information. So this gave me a chance to sort of initiate that deck against some beloved decks of mine, and I will share that with you in a sec. Okay, so... For my grounded deck, I chose the Wildwood Tarot. There's something about that deck for me lately that is just uh, very centering and needed, and of and on this planet also needed. Uh, and I like the interpretations of the Major Arcana. I know that um, 
some people do not, but they are for me. Uh, so anyway, that was my grounded deck. And um, then for my familiar deck, I used uh, Kim Kranz's Wild Unknown. It was a deck that I really enjoyed last year uh, and just felt really comfortable. I liked the very stripped down interpretations of the cards. I love the drawings. Uh, I like the, the tactile feel of these cards as well. And then for the new deck, I went with uh, Moonchild. And so here it is. Uh, the first step is to shuffle the grounded deck and to cut that deck into three piles. Those piles represent the resources you have, the resources you want, the resources you need. Now, I'm not one actually for separating between wants and needs very much because I believe that one indicates the other uh, in very important ways and that often we tell ourselves that we must meet our needs before we meet our wants and sometimes it's through our wants that our needs are met and I just, I don't think it's so clean, you know. But in this case, that was the guidance that I had and that's what I did. So I placed those three piles out on the table. Then above them, I um, uh, I'm sorry, below them rather, I laid out familiar strategy cards. So I shuffled my uh, familiar deck. I laid out three cards below the three piles. And then I added a fourth card to in, um, indicate the nature of a subconscious cycle that was maybe operating in relationship to familiar strategy and resources. With the new deck, I shuffled the deck and laid three cards above. These are imagined strategies, and then a fourth card to indicate one new habit pattern. Uh, so now we have the three piles, three plus one on top, three plus one on the bottom for familiar and imagined strategies. Then I took the uh, new deck and pulled a card to seek advice on old strategies. And then I picked the old deck to apply old wisdom to new inspiration. So I'm gonna include, obviously the photo for this episode is going to be uh, a picture of this spread so you can understand what this might look like. But now we have nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 cards laid out. And then what I did was I flipped over the bottom card on each of the piles of the grounded deck to indicate resources that would be made available. So I can take you through the spread I turned uh, and my interpretation of it as uh, just sort of a, an example. So uh, under the resources I have, I turned the Eight of Vessels, which in the Wildwood Tarot is an a symbol of rebirth. Um, the Eight Vessels, I really, uh, it's a transition card. I turned a lot of transition cards. I'm in a lot of transition. <laughs> no surprise there. I mean, I'm trans also, so uh, I don't know if I just, if that stops, but. Um, the thing about the Eight Vessels is the reminder that blessings and gifts are already present 
everything that I need is already belonging to me, that there's nothing that I need that I can't ask for uh, and can't expect to see. It's also an indication, too, of having come through loss in order to retain one's integrity uh, and about shedding the skin of the past and accepting and utilizing potential. So it's a, it's a big letting go card, and there's a, much more to this card, but that's what I turned over for the resources I have, and they felt really appropriate. Under the resources I want, I turn the balance card uh, in Wildwood, the balance card is, um, I think, the renaming of Temperance as far as the major arcana goes. So if you are a tarot person and Temperance is your gig, then you can consider that. In the Wildwood, uh, many of the, actually, I believe all the major arcana are um, assigned position in the Wheel of the Year and associated with elements and with the moon phase. And so... Um, balance is associated with Beltane, which is coming up. I mean, we're a sneeze away from Beltane now, which is the gateway of life. It's associated with fire and air. And in this deck, uh, temperance is associated with the half moon, of course. And lately, this expression has been coming through me over and over and over and over, which is that although we may have common values, we need not seek a middle ground. And there's something about that with balance that feels very important to me. The image on this card is uh, intertwining snakes, um, like the um, catechists intertwining like the DNA woven, um, and the red, they're white, talks about balancing between humanity and nature. It talks about um, inner strength and deeper knowing. It talks about integration. It talks about patience and rest and reclamation of the self and psyche. Um, and as I, as I read through the full details of this card, I thought, yes, yes, this is what I'm looking for. It's not balance as in this strange sort of neoliberal uptake of the idea of balance where we sit in the middle of a a giant forest fire and, uh, <laughs> well, forest fires are balancing. Let me find a different metaphor. Let me take it out of metaphor and just say balance is not about sitting in the midst of uh, unreasonable circumstances in life and making everything work. It's about being alive in the lives we have in a way that um, doesn't give up on what we value and who we value in order to to accomplish it. And then uh, the resources that I need, I turned up what in Wildwood is referred to as the ancestor. In other cards, it's the, the Hierophant, Hierophant. Um, I really, I turn up this card a lot and I really enjoy this card. I've always enjoyed this card. Um, the Hierophant, as a character and the ancestor as a character is present in, in every mythology in the world and shifts in mythology. So sometimes the teacher is a pain teacher, sometimes the teacher is an underworld teacher, sometimes the teacher is an ascetic in a cave, sometimes the teacher is a flower, sometimes the teacher 
is a moment of joy, sometimes transitory, sometimes uh, sometimes perennial. It, in the case of this new card, uh, as in the learning that I need, there's a sense of newness, a sense of um, being in a state of contemplation of something new and essential. Uh, the ancestor, according to this card, stands before the gateway of nature that leads into the far forest. There is another beginning. Once you pass through the gateway, you must strive to stay on the path and see the journey through to its end. So there is a, a dedication that comes with this card. And for those who don't know, I have uh, been studying an energetic healing modality for the last now two years um, that I'm apprenticing in a form of it that is new for me and there is a dedication to it that um, is implicating parts of myself that I think I've been able to keep out largely out of um, my upper world existence for the protection of myself and others in some ways um, but also in thinking that somehow it should remain where it is as opposed to or or only come through once it's been transmuted into something more palatable but uh, that's not what I'm learning now and uh, this ancestor card is really coming through in this way this card is also a reminder that within there is a patient and wise ancestor that we can trust not just an ancestor within our family although that could be it but the ancestor self uh, when we think of the divine self, we often think in phases of the child, the adult, the elder, the maiden, the mother, the crone, the, the youth, the warrior, the medicine healer. Um, and there is a fourth that is enduring, patient-wise, and always present for counsel. Um, so this card is an indicator of that. And Trust in that is definitely something that I need. So that's what I turned up for resources. For familiar strategy, I turned up the Wheel of Fortune, the Four of Swords, and the Hierophant, Hierophant. Um, so in this case, I have some strategy related to uh, changing course, uh, related to waiting and seeing, related to uh, deferring to expertise. And for my subconscious cycle card, I turn the tower, which is a card about uh, unexpected upheaval or a, tower, uh, a card that represents what happens when there is a clash between power and control, when power erupts through structures of control requiring something new to be made. It is a crisis card and a change card, a very deeply profounding change card. Um, and, and those things rang through as a as a sort of holding pattern uh, that I've breathed into for quite some time. For my imagined strategy cards, I turn the Four of Wands, the Six of Cups, and the Knight of Wands. And those cards are about softness, about replenishment, about celebration, about cherishing memories, about trusting intuition, um, 
and about um, breaking through, walking through doorways, passing through um, initiations, uh, living in liminal space, being a visionary. Uh, and they were just, they were gentle and generous and something that I aspire to. So it was nice to see here. In seeking new advice on an old strategy, I pulled the Five of Wands. The Five of Wands has this affirmation with it in the Moonchild Tarot deck, which is, I release what needs to be shed. I commune with unconditional love. How can I open or hold space for healing? How can I focus my own energy to help this situation? This card is an agency card in relation to the sort of holding pattern cycle of crisis that I had described. And I really love the, the way that agency can be gentle and not forceful, can be about being a helper to the self, uh, being a helper to healing and, and relying on unconditional love as opposed to agency as it often looks um, riding in on a white steed. I looked at taking, applying, my flip that applying accumulated wisdom to new paradigms card, and I turned the Mother of Swords, which is about experience, about seeing, it's about omniscience, really. So it's about applying what I know of cycles, what I know of seasons, what I know of patterns, what I can see of orbits to um, this new journeying, uh, to this general way of being with time and space that is being suggested in um, my new ways. In the, I, I forgot to mention that when I flipped the new imagination cards, the new paradigm, then there is the, the card representing the new habit pattern, uh, the one to remind me. And for that, I turned the 10 of wands. And again, the 10 of wands is a release card. It is very much releasing what no longer serves the greatest and highest good. As I move on, so I let go. Um, and it gives the indication that if I'm feeling overburdened by responsibility, then it's time to shift the way that I'm seeing the situation and to call in the support that's necessary. Uh, and also to ask myself what needs to be burdensome about this responsibility. Does responsibility have to inherently feel like a burden? Or can responsibility actually be a lot more agile, uh, a lot less heavy? I think that it can. The resources that become open up to me are the Three of Arrows, the Ace of Vessels, the Three of Bow, of Bows. And I really uh, loved these cards because at first glance, it seemed like, and this is one thing I love about tarot, sometimes you turn a card and you're like, really, that seems completely inappropriate. Um, but when I sat with these cards, I realized that each of these cards, although there are hard things related to each of them, there are uh, the healings that come from addressing those hard things are the are the resource that becomes available. So for example, the Three of Arrows is about jealousy, essentially, and humility. And there is an antidote for humility, which is about, uh, for jealousy, rather, which is about humility and acceptance and forgiveness. Um, that uh, 
rather than being in a place of envy or jealousy, that we can refocus our energies uh, into creative momentum in our own lives. Instead of looking outward, it's about looking in. Instead of looking forward or back, it's about just generating um, creativity, joy, life, really, really feeling that those first house energies. And that's, a, that's an incredible healer, and that's a, an incredible resource that does get opened up when I step out of the cycles of experience that I have around interpreting difficult moments, such as I was doing earlier this evening. It's been a rough couple of weeks. I've had shingles and neuropathy, and uh, my face is half paralyzed, and there have been a series of... Um, things that have come with that that have been really difficult. Um, uh, not the least of which is that sleep is very hard to come by. And in the midst of all of this, uh, I'm doing a lot and being a lot and creating a lot and extending a lot and rivaling my need to do too much and rivaling my stories that I must rest fully before I do anything to try to find a sort of space in between. And so it's been really easy for me to get caught up in um, high points of drama. And uh, my life is offering lots of occasion for that, <laughs> which is fine. It often does. And I'm, the great thing about having a really sustained high point of drama in my life as I'm enduring right now um, in the name of uh, separating, ending a marriage and separating and getting a divorce and having that happen over a series of years as opposed to being able to flash through it in a couple of months is that um, you know uh, the level of crisis that one can associate with that is completely unsustainable so what follows crisis is surrender, and it's really interesting to experience being sort of feeling skewered uh, by this time in my life, and then watching how I wriggle around that skewer, and watching how I flail, and watching where the grace and mercy is, and watching what surrender looks like, and just really getting a nice sort of slow motion, in-depth view of um, the ways that feel hard and the ways that feel painful and the ways that feel easeful and the ways that feel merciful and graceful and what agency I have in each of those, where my points of surrender are, the difference between surrender as in, oh, fine, I give up, versus surrender as in, I accept that this is happening, I do not understand why I accept that this is happening. Um, and so this experience in my life, of course, is affecting my second house. It is, there, is, there are very few, few things that are more expensive than getting married and then also getting divorced. Um, from a resource perspective, um, and so, of course, it's during this time that I'm experiencing some of the most intense moments of uh, resource-related negotiation, et cetera, et cetera. And it's really interesting to turn and return to my values at this time. 
I discovered today, I posted today on Facebook a little, little honesty post about getting divorced, and I, I post on Facebook fairly regularly. I mean, it's a, it's a cross post from Instagram usually lately, but it, didn't, it started on Facebook, and it started in 2014 when I was in a, a very difficult time in my life, and I was... Uh, in a place of of incandescent pain that uh, was leading me to to really think deeply through what it is to be alive and what it is to consent to remaining alive. And uh, so I've posted a lot about uh, our public conversation around suicide because I felt that there was a lot missing. Robin Williams had recently taken his life and the discourse around suicide on social media was so damaging and so incomplete and so misunderstood that I felt like I had to come really clean about that. And so I started talking about that quite a bit and it actually has led to so many positive things in my life that I could be honest about my experiences of that. Uh, and today I've posted a little bit about divorce and I have become accustomed to posting a thing and then getting some feedback from folks about their experiences and their beliefs and thoughts and um, I had become accustomed to the dialogue and one thing I noticed when I posted today about divorce was that there was no dialogue and I thought, oh, it's so interesting that talking publicly about one's divorce is more taboo than talking publicly about suicide. And I wondered why that was. And on the one hand, I think there's this idea that it's dishonoring to the other person, the other party in the divorce to, to speak about what's happening for oneself. And other parts came about, you know, there are two sides to every story and things came up about uh, how we don't air our dirty laundry in public and how when they go low, we go high, etc., etc., etc. And how it's inherently low to say, wow, I'm going through this thing that's really hard and I don't understand why it's unfolding in this particular way, but I accept that it is. Uh, and uh, so it was really interesting for me to observe that talking about divorce was somehow more taboo, yeah, than discussing suicide or suicidal ideation, mental illness, physical pain. And, uh, and I realized that it's because when we talk about the pain of separation and divorce, it's very difficult to stay clean about the pain, to own one's own part in it, to honor the other person's own liberation through it. It's very difficult to be clean about that. Um, but I think it's possible, and I think it's important that we do. I think we're doing ourselves and each other a great disservice about not talking about this. Um, anyway, so I don't know exactly why I brought that up, except that, oh yes, I was talking about this sort of sustained note of crisis in my life presently, um, and about how my physiologic health is is also bouncing against it and how my sense of possibility, which is usually tethered to these things, actually isn't. My sense of clear seeing and possibility is somehow 
separate and I'm really grateful for all the training that went into that possibility. But also from time to time I take a dip and today I took a dip. Today I, I had some time in the bleaks, let me tell you, the bleaks about the whole thing. But it was okay to be there and to do that and to accept being there and doing that and having had some time in the bleaks and having had a brief nap and now I'm drinking some club soda to get my blood pressure back up uh, and recording this podcast to remind myself of the power and importance of creation and sharing this tarot read that I had and this spread that I developed um, for this month, which is definitely not a fox and owl spread. And I'm super excited to be interviewing Tiffany on this subject and for us to have conversation on this subject and to have a fox and owl spread. But I wanted to just offer this one from, from my own heart. Um, and what it's doing for me is allowing me to learn a new a new grief, a grief that isn't about overcoming, um, a grief that isn't about simply contextualizing something, framing something into a single story or even a collection of stories that are somehow meaningful and palatable, but allowing a thing to be the shimmering dynamic thing that it is, allowing it to be all the love that it is and all the rage that it is and all the hate that it is and all the joy that it is and all the disappointment that it is, allowing it to be its own full and dynamic living thing so that I can also be my own full and dynamic living thing. And I think that in this learning and in so doing, what happens is rather than allocating my resources to resisting so many undesired things, so many undesired thoughts, experiences, uh, and, and allocating my resources to resisting that and allocating my resources to forcing meaning, of forcing uh, positivity or forcing the learning, um, it actually frees up a lot of possibility because if I can be witnessing myself through this, the surrender of this and to actually be in the joy of say the pain of neuropathy in the middle of the night or be in the possibility that's awakened um, in so many hours of continuous prayer or meditation or to be in the delight of my present trash diet of frozen pizza and mini peanut butter cups um, I can just uh, free myself. I can free possibility. I can reallocate resources or not allocate them. I can just have them available to me. And this is a really cool and untethering experience, not untethering in a negative way, untethering in a very liberating way. I, I don't know if any of this is making sense and coming through and I recently found out that my mom listens to this podcast and hi mom and uh, I 
was really surprised to hear that she listens to this podcast and find myself a little bit self-conscious, not in a bad way, um, just in an aware way. My mom and I have been going through a thing over the last couple of years. It's pretty cool. Uh, I'll save that story for maybe the next month. But uh, anyway, in thinking about how I show up here in my family line, how I show up in my life in all the ways and all the parts of myself, then being able to provide this witness to myself now is allowing me to witness myself throughout the course of my life, witness myself in the line of my ancestors whom I've never met. And, uh, and there's something that gets made there. Something very possible is resourced there. I don't know what it is, to be honest. I think probably not till the fifth house will it start to make sense, but I, I sense it now and I'm, I'm very grateful for it. Anyway, this has been a long and unusual episode uh, where you've gone from mono mic to stereo mic to here's a tarot read to here's my interpretation of tarot to here's a story about why it's important to me. I don't, I don't know about the through line, but uh, what I do want to remind everyone of, and I do want to offer a simplified version, a three-card version of this tarot read, is that in a single deck, in a three-card version, we can turn a card for resources and we can turn a card for the habits we have built up related to resources and we can turn a card for the imagination we might apply to how we consider our resources in the future and see what that does. Uh, so with that, I wish you a good evening wherever you are. It's uh, bedtime o'clock here in Calgary, Alberta, on where the two rivers meet Uh, 9.02 p.m. Mountain Standard Time as I'm signing off on this podcast. Um, Yeah, I guess wherever you are, I, I hope your possibility is with you. Bye for now. Talk soon. Recording an episode tomorrow with Jennifer Ita. Uh, from Tidal Heart Healing so we'll be here with another meditation uh, and conversation this time about resources and I'm really looking forward to that and then uh, again a future episode on this subject with Tiffany Sostar maybe some closing reflections and then we move on into the third month it just goes and goes like that alright friends good night